You're listening to The Doctor's Weekend, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli, and with me today, I have returning guest host Kyle Anderson. Hello. Hello. Happy to be back. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, today, we're talking about the uh, the Seventh Doctor serial Dragonfire, um, which is both the, uh, the swan song for uh, Melanie Bush and the introduction of Ace. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very strange introduction for Ace. It is. Um, but uh, yeah. So um, okay. So let's 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 start with some background significance for this one. Um, there's again, there's not a lot. There wasn't a lot for the story last week either. Um, but the biggest thing is that you have um, Ian Briggs, who has had been wanting to write a story for them for a while, and he kept kept pitching stories, and they kept turning him down. Um, finally, they offered him uh, the second half of a like a production two-parter, uh, which is basically they were doing this thing where um, this season uh, of the show, they decided to take what would be a six-episode uh, story and split it into two three-part episodes, one that would be entirely on location and the other one which would be entirely in the studio. Mm-hmm. They offered him the studio one. Um, based on a story that had to do with uh, frozen pyramid space station thing. So he does that, um, and then they hear from Bonnie Langford agent that uh, she wants to quit the show. She's ready to move on, so they're like, okay, let's think of a new companion. So they come up with this one called Alf, um, <laughs> who is basically uh, what is Ace, um, including the you know 80s teenager, uh, and, and, and gets put into a distant galaxy by a random time storm on earth. Um, and then, uh, and then they decide, Oh, well I, you know, Nathan Turner decides, well, I'd like them to sort of cross paths, um, the previous companion and the new one. So let's go ahead and put her into this story. But Briggs had already written a a character named ACE into this story. And so they thought, well, let's just incorporate what we came up with for Alf into his, ace character and make that the new companion um but of course briggs had to sign away any rights that he would have to the character which was a problem that they um they came on during the fifth doctor's tenure because uh uh, one of those companions um um uh nissa nissa uh was was technically owned by johnny byrne because she was in the keeper of trocken and then came back to become a companion so there was a whole rights issue there and they wanted to make sure that they didn't run into that again um and then uh i mean other than that like that that's pretty much it uh the big the big thing the big eventful thing is really that it's it's the end of uh of of melanie bush and the introduction of of ace um and that's that's pretty much it. This is also the end of like the heavy comedic Seventh Doctor as well, um, which was really just this season. And then next yeah. season he's like all like 
super yeah, re- yeah. smart and like clever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and outsmarting everyone all the time, and not the goofy guy that you know has a has a cliffhanger, a literal cliffhanger at the end of one of these episodes. Holy crap, man! <laughs> That is so dumb. Yeah. I know why it's there. It's for like, comedic I mean, effect. You did but... that to yourself. Like, I don't understand what the cliffhanger is. Yeah. He just walks over to him and goes, well, looks like it's time to climb over this thing. Oh, no. And then the next episode yeah. is like, Glitz, Glitz, get me <laughs> up there. Glitz is like, hang on, you dummy. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess that's the other thing is this is the return of Glitz. Um, yeah, that's right. From. Yeah. Uh, from. Uh, from uh, the the one of the only great stories in Trial of a Time Lord. Um, I mean, it's a it's a, but, uh, it's a measure Holmes, of halves. So Is that a saying? Expect. Is that a good season? Uh, it's it's not a very good season, and that's probably the best. Of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good one. I like it. Um, but yes, I, that, I just yes. I there is that i can't remember is that the one with the giant robot in the suitcase because man that is great yes yes that's it's that one yes yes <laughs> i love the giant robot with the suitcase um who's just like i'm out of here guys oh it's the best love robert holmes um even well, not good robert holmes is better than most classic well, stories have you uh, have you watched the two doctors i have not that's the one i haven't seen yet yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then and then there's, you know, there's like the space pirates, which is I I, I don't think that's his fault really. Like um mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz he was like he was like uh he was like told to put a bunch of things in there that he didn't want to put Exactly. In there, right? Yeah. If he's if he's told to do something, he's not nearly as good as um as when he just comes up with it on his own. But yeah, the space pirates, you know, the crotons I think is really good. Um uh, a lot of people don't like the Crotons, but I, I think it's actually really good. Um, right. Yeah. But we're not talking about that at all, so. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so we are talking about Dragonfire, but before we start uh, talking about the details, just a reminder that um, we're sponsored by DCBService.com, which is the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic books and collectibles at discounts your local comic book shop just can't compete with. Use DCBS to place your orders two months in advance and get discounts of 40% off, special discounts up to 50% off. Place an order as big or small as you like and uh, ship monthly, bi-weekly or weekly with flat rate shipping of only six ninety five every time an order goes out. So thanks to DCBService.com. Also, their sister site, InStockTrades.com, is the site where you can purchase any hardcover or paper paperback graphic novel collection that's currently in print at massive discounts of 25 to 45% off. And if that's not good enough for you, check back on Wednesdays for new release specials, 50% off every single week. And remember all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Okay. So Dragonfire. Um, so I, I, I guess I want to just start with Ace because um, this is not what, I would have imagined Ace's introduction to be Um, Mm -mm. because she's such like, I mean, she's such a stereotypical like eighties teenager. Um, Right. Disaffected. So like I, you know, I, I come into this, this story knowing that it's an introduction and then we meet her in like this alien cafe and I'm just, what? (laughs) And then you find out that she got swept away in a time storm and I'm like, Oh, that's why her name is Dorothy. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it hilarious? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I, I was not expecting that. Um, she's also, uh, she's like, I mean, it, it is, it is nice that she's, she's so 
like just ace out of just out of the gate like this is kind mm-hmm. of everything that you expect her to be and i mean obviously she comes becomes a lot more as the show goes on and we look into her character probably more than any other companion we've ever had on the on the show um but oh yeah it's, definitely it's definitely interesting do. to me like how fully formed she just kind of comes out the gate um i like that a lot yeah they do and they do i mean maybe it's like what you were saying this was Ian Briggs already had a character and then they kind of fit the Alf character mm-hmm. into that. Um, so I th- generally what happens when they bring in a character like that, that's not necessarily supposed to be a companion is they kind of overwrite them to give them a character. Basically it's mm-hmm. like, this is the pseudo companion for the episode, so We need to tell you a lot about them. Um, so they kind of, she's still, you know, she's very loud and kind and, and bratty and um, all the things that you wouldn't necessarily expect a companion to be. Um, but then they kind of, which I do like, is that over time, as she goes on, they kind of bring that aspect down a little bit as she becomes, you know, she grows up, mm-hmm. which is, is a really good arc. So as far as a starting place goes, it, she she has a long way to go, and they actually, like, do something with that. It's not like, you know, an Adric where they, would, I actually think he has a good few first few stories, and then they just kind of leave him at a certain level, and then they kill him off. Um, <laughs> Ace is actually, they actually give her a good arc and that's you know that is her claim to fame i think mm-hmm. um because she is probably the best written companion I, th- I don't think probably i think across the board except i mean ian and barbara maybe like since them <laughs> there hasn't really been uh companions that have you know as defined a, a journey yeah um yeah, yeah but yeah in this she's definitely very she, she uses all those weird slang terms like uh, bilge bag, which is always great. I'm calling <laughs> glitz a bilge bag or like and a. She div says her name out a, loud a lot. She says her own name. She's like, they all call me Ace, probably because I say it so much. <laughs> she doesn't say Brill. Her name isn't Brill, though. It's like if someone had the nickname Cool or Awesome, <laughs> right? <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Awesome because <laughs> I see it all the time. Um, yeah, so so I I do, as weird as it is, I do kind of like her introduction here. Um, I do think it's weird because I'm watching this and, and obviously um, Mel, you know, decides to stay behind and, and go hang out with, uh, with Sabalom Glitz, which is a very strange companion write-off. But then again, I've never seen, I think in Classic Who, I don't think I've seen any, like, legitimately good, <laughs> good uh, companion write-offs, really. Um, not, um, not not a lot. There's, like, a handful of good ones. There's a handful. But, like, you most know, of them are just one. like, okay, well, she's leaving yeah. the show now, so let's just stick her with somebody. Um, That's a fun game. Let's play that game. So there's Ian and Barbara. Yeah. They have, they have a good goodbye. Steven, I think, sort of does. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe. Joe has a great um, one. Joe's it's the one that sticks out in my head. Yeah. Uh, it's sad, but I think, um, uh, Zoe, yeah, Zoe and Jamie have a good goodbye at least. Yeah. Even though it's, it's not like a, all right, bye, I'm leaving now. It's, you know, it's yeah. forced Although, upon them. Depending on what you believe about that, that the secret right. season of the second yeah. doctor, that wasn't Jamie's goodbye. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, I, uh, Mel, I don't know. I yeah. I just I'm afraid to just go like look for glitz and and Mel like uh, uh, like fan fiction because I'm sure fanfic, it's out yeah. there and that terrifies me. Um, yeah, 
That's, I was thinking that while watching this, and I was just like, I was like, uh, that's weird. I don't know if I like them together. And then by looking up about that, I stumbled upon the idea that apparently uh, Ace lost her virginity to Glitz. That freaks me out. Is that a thing that they wrote in, like, later in the books and stuff? Yeah, well, it was in the original script, and then when she was going to become a companion, they cut that out of the, oh, of the boy. script. And then Paul Cornell wrote it into the books. I see. Yeah. Weird. Yep. Because she is super 16. Super me out. I don't like that. <laughs> he is a creepy old dude. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, in the, the initial draft of the thing, when Mel was going to stick around and they weren't going to have Ace be a companion. Um, she was going to go off with Glitz, which made sense thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they switched it. And yeah, Mel, like, she's just so relentlessly upbeat through these this whole season. Um, I don't necessarily dislike her, but it's she's just so... I don't. She just. It, I don't know. Is at odds with what companions generally are. <laughs> She's just always like, and then uh, like Delta and the Delta and the Bannerman, which came right before this. Um, that was another one where they were writing in like, might sh- this person be a new companion? They kind of tested both actresses, um, and I forget that character's name. Uh, another really? tomboyish girl from uh, Earth, although right. it would have been the past in that one. Um, but in that one, Mel's like. I'll help anyone if I can. Like she actually says that in that same cadence with that big, huge, like musical theater grin. And it's not Bunny Langford's fault. She's a musical theater actress, but um, I just think it's, yeah, she's, she gets on a lot of people's nerves. She doesn't necessarily get on my nerves. She just is a a very screamy person. Yeah. She's just very, um, she's like, I mean, she's like a Disney character, Um, which is absolutely, which is interesting because I think my favorite part of the story is the, uh, the Disney friendly xenomorph. Uh, just, uh-huh. just, just it's sort like of like some, an alien. something that'd be walking around Disneyland. Um, oh, the best. Yeah, if they made if they made an aliens theme park for kids, that's what would be walking around. Like, <laughs> hi everyone. Oh, it's so great, and it's supposed to be a dragon, and I'm just like, hmm. And it breathes fire, apparently. Yeah. Even though it looks like little dots of CGI or whatever they called it back then. <laughs> Optical oh, effect. It's so great. Uh, I actually really do legitimately love the design of that thing. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool looking. Yeah, I mean, it's it, w- the thing that I don't get or like really about it is that it guards the dragon fire, which is a gem that it keeps inside its own head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's. I would say it's being guarded. If it's inside <laughs> its own one head, way, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, and just like when it's carrying that little girl around at one point, I'm just like, and now pose for pictures. <laughs> like, right. <I> just. <laughs> Oh, it's so great. Love they that. They um, sure did that a lot in the in the McCoy era. Certainly, actually all, all of the years, but certainly the first two seasons, they did that a lot where they would have these kind of very obviously guy-in-suit monsters. Mm-hmm. Even though they generally, the designs were be- good and, you know, uh, the the make of the actual costume is are a lot better than they had been in years past, but it's still just like, all right, clearly that's a guy in a costume because um, you have the Candyman, which is deliberately weird and annoying um but then you also have the, the tetraps in time of the ronnie which are cool looking with you know the bat-headed three-eyed creatures right but it's still just like very clearly a man in a in a furry suit um yeah it's and, and this one i think with aside from the head which is neat the rest of it it's like well it's just a man in a suit wearing a head yeah <laughs> they don't blend it in very well right 
is the is the is the fact that I don't know much about like dragon folklore, I guess, but mm-hmm. or mythology. But is a is a dragon like guarding treasure? Is that just a normal thing, or are they just deliberately taking that from the Hobbit? Well, I mean, that, it kind of goes back to just myth in general. There's um, get real weird and schooly on you, but um, uh, there's a man named Joseph Campbell who wrote a thing called the power of myth. And then he also wrote the hero of a thousand faces, um, which basically just breaks down every myth into its base elements. And there's always a part where the hero has to go into the cave, slay the dragon and attain whatever he's looking for. Either, you know, rescue the damsel or get a treasure or something like that. So the dragon guarding something in a cave is, is ancient. It's been around forever. Um, and Tolkien knew that. And so, you know, put that into the Hobbit and, um, you know, most big myth- mythological epics that people write over time, like even um, like Beowulf, which is, you know, one of the oldest, it's got Grendel and Grendel's mother mm-hmm. as being like, and then there's a dragon at the end of that too. That isn't even Grendel's mother. So um, there, yeah, the dragon as a thing, a hero has to vanquish has been there for a really long time within storytelling. And in this, they kind of do a nice thing where they upend it, where the dragon's nice and yeah, he's cuddly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, although I wouldn't, he's still a bit slimy for my liking, but you know. <laughs> uh, and then our our villain of this piece, uh, Kane, who is uh, basically Nazi Mister Freeze. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> specifically, yeah. World War One Nazi. Um, yeah. Got the pointy hat, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just like it looks like they're all just wearing World War One like uh, recreation costumes that they've just spray painted white. Um, it's, uh, yeah, they d- they do kind of. That is kind of what they look like. It's it's a choice, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's how we know they're bad. Um, but yeah, like he, you know, he has to get in his little uh, his little freezer box and and cool himself down um, every once in a while, and obviously that becomes his undoing. And then he melts like Indiana Jones. Um, yep. Just <laughs> it's just. Do you think that was fun. intentional? Uh, yep. It's a lot less bloody than. <laughs> than Indiana Jones, but yeah, but still pretty graphic. Yeah, it's still pretty graphic, definitely. But um, I guess the guy doesn't have blood anymore. Um, probably, nah. probably for the best, really, because it's, it's frozen. I've seen this show with blood; it's not great. It's called the Colin no. Baker era. Yeah, um, boy, <laughs> so much blood. Very <laughs> um, like the time that that uh, that uh, Cyberman crushes that guy's hands for no reason. That was a good time. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I Glitz, <laughs> Bloody handed Glitz is a character that I I quite like a lot, just because he's so, um, he's he's so different from the kind of characters that you usually see with the Doctor, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like Robert Holmes created him; he's just really good at character stuff. Like all of his sort of uh, you know characters that are just there in the story, his just like one and done characters are usually just so interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh Glitz, I love Glitz, although I n I can't every time he shows up, um, which granted is only twice, but every time he shows up on screen, I'm just reminded for whatever reason, I'm reminded of Larry from Perfect Strangers. I don't know why. Um, is it the curly hair? Maybe. There's something about the way that he reacts to things too. I don't know, <laughs> um, but I always I always get uh, uh, Larry from Perfect Strangers vibe. Um, I w- he needs a Balky. That's what he needs. Maybe Melody can be his Balky. <laughs> well, he did in in uh, um, what you call it the Mysterious Planet. He has 
Dibber, who is kind of his Balky. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, that was. It's kind of weird. They gave they made him one half of a double act, and then uh, when he shows up later in the Trial of the Time Lord, he's by himself, and then here he's by himself too. So you do kind of you need him to play off of somebody. Uh, in this, he kind of plays off the Doctor a lot, and then is not nice to the the ladies. Yeah, um, and he does drive a ship called the Nosferatu. So it's not like he's. <laughs> He's not setting up that he's kind of a jerk, but and then he steals that ship at the end and calls it the Nosferatu too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was going to call it the Desmond Tutu, but then he decided not to. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird, weird reference. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. So, um, so let's talk about that cliffhanger because oh man. Okay. Um, this is only a three episode story. Yeah. Um, thank the heavens, but that first episode really feels long, and I don't. I don't entirely know why. Um, there's just a lot going on. There's a ton going on. Um, it's actually the shortest episode of the three by, you know, not much, a few seconds, but um, it just, it feels really long. And then once you get to that cliffhanger, cause it, they set it up that he's just walking on the, the edge. There is a railing everyone. So it's like, don't go over this because we already know that people will probably fall. He climbs over it hangs off of his umbrella and then what does he think is going to happen <laughs> oh this is much higher than i thought i have no depth perception evidently like, <laughs> and then the best part is that you know he gets saved by glitz and then later mel and ace who have teamed up in episode two they just like they just trot on down the wall like like yep. it's nothing like whatever oh, we, <laughs> like, we have a tiny little ladder just... and we're fine yeah it's like it's it's, it's like the maybe, dumbest. Maybe maybe don't go down with your back facing the wall, Doctor. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> give yourself a little more leverage. <laughs> oh man! Well, and then also don't hang off of your umbrella on the railing because that you know gives you loses you about two feet. Yeah. Maybe that would have worked. I don't know. It's just it's very weird, and it just doesn't. And I think <laughs> I like that they tied it in with the the name of the Doctor this last season, where she's there looking at him. I guess is she the one who calls glitz? Who's to say? And by she, of course, I mean uh, uh, Clara. But um, it's right. ridiculous. <laughs> I've always been like, all right. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, I uh, I also this is something that I found that I really do like on Doctor Who that doesn't happen as often as I'd like, and I think a lot of it has to do with production value and things because um, it's it's the kind of thing that's expensive just because of all of the creature designs but i love when this show has the doctor and his companion just show up in a place with lots of different kinds of aliens Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't happen a lot you know but like anytime you go to like some sort of marketplace in this show or in this case you know at at what looks like a 1950s diner only with aliens right um i just i love that because it just i i don't know i love the idea of the doctor just going to a space station and hanging out um, and you just don't see it a lot. Like I, there's this, and then that's. I think there's that's the reason why I loved um the rings of uh, Akaten. Yeah, Akaten. Like that's why I love that story so much. Was just because of them just sort of like hanging out in that marketplace. I just thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, I, I like that too. You don't normally see. It's usually like here's one bad guy or one set of aliens, and that's all you'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally like that thing where it's just, yeah, this is a place people go. This is a resort. I don't know. I don't know why you'd go to an ice world, but <laughs> I don't know. Hey. Maybe you're from a really hot planet. 
That's hey, maybe. <laughs> but people um, seem to be walking yeah. around without wearing much but a coat. They're just like, yeah, I'm still gonna wear a mini skirt, but I'm I've got a coat on. Yeah. It's cold here. Um, uh, yeah. So so Kyle, what do you think of the Seventh Doctor? What do I think of the Seventh Doctor? Um, uh, I'm not as crazy about him as some people are. Um, uh, I I like aspects. Um. Really, second his second season, season twenty five, is where I like him the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they start making him a little too, like I, you know, I'm a god. I'm one of the oldest. I just and I, I don't, I don't buy that whole thing about the Doctor being, you know, one of the ancient three and one of the architects of the time travel and blah blah. I, just, I don't care for that. Um, yeah. And the, but that you know, as far as the portrayal goes, I think it, it's mostly good, but a little over the top. It, at points whenever whenever he has to make a grand speech i just don't think mccoy can do it mm-hmm. um i think he, it comes off silly and like you know scenery chewy but he also loves rolling his eyes he does well he's a scott yeah smin <laughs> um yeah so i overall i think I, I i'm indifferent i guess toward the seventh doctor i know a lot of people really love him mm-hmm. um and kind of love this whole era i'm really i mean to me after after Caves of Androzani, I like my enjoyment of the show goes down a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know part of that's the writing, part of that is the performances. But you know, I think overall, um, it gets better when you get to the Seventh Doctor. But uh, I don't, I don't generally choose to watch much of Seventh Doctor stuff. Right. I I really like his big finish stuff, but mm-hmm. they abandoned a lot of um, that like self important you know, ancient of three thing. Um, they, and they seem to more focus on the, what I think is the more interesting parts of the character, which is like, uh, you know, just that he's like this master planner kind of thing. Um, which I, I like that aspect of him quite a bit. Um, I wish that I think that the seventh doctor could have been a really great doctor to go up against a master i just wish that it hadn't been anthony anthony anley again yeah um, and it hadn't been the last i mean it wasn't the one last one they filmed but you know the last episode of the whole se- series right he had no right. time to like you know reacquaint himself with the master <laughs> right i think he would have been I, I i really do think he would have been a great doctor to go up against like a new like mm-hmm. moriarty ish master um yeah I think that could have been really interesting, but alas, we got cheetah people instead. Um, right. <laughs> Which is, it's an, inter- it's a, it's uh, an out there story for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I kind of do too. I think Ainley and the master was kind of overused during Davison. And if they'd have, you know, maybe after planet of fire, gotten a different guy to be the master, mm-hmm. um, and brought him back once or twice per doctor. Um, thereafter, I would have really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ainley by that point was just, he'd been the master too long and, and it had been such a long time since he was the master. So right. yeah, it, it, just, it didn't feel like the same character at all. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, I do, I like the seventh doctor, but I think you're right about all of those, all of those like big time Lordy legend stuff that they brought right. in with yeah. the seventh doctor. Um, I don't like the doctor being important. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I like it better that he's just a dude <laughs> that yeah. is just really annoying to the time Lords. Um, yeah. He's, he's important so through action rather he's, than like, yeah, 
it was him, the master and the Ronnie, and they were the best. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's kind of like that whole thing in the in the Star Wars prequels where everything's like leading up to the eventual fall of Darth Vader. And it's like, you know, he's not important in the galaxy. He's important to the to the audience. And that's why they're giving him so much like, right. uh, you know, Anakin Skywalker, so much gravitas. He's just a dude who kind of, you know, went off the rails, and, which is, you know, that would be an interesting story, but they give him so much, like, importance in that he is this puzzle piece to the universe. And I feel like that's what you kind of get during the Seventh Doctor's time, and, and that's what I kind of go away from. And, the, you know, it, it happened a little bit in the Eleventh Doctor stuff toward the end, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and where it's like he is, you know, the <laughs> he's the best, and we need to, whatever. He just should be a guy who goes around doing good things. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know... It, you know, it, it's a it's an interesting interpretation. It's a valid interpretation of the Doctor, but it's not my favorite way right. to do it. Right. I mean, it's 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 just one of those things where it's like, eh, it's fine, I guess. And I'm sure some people love it, but it's not for me. Um, yeah. I'm kind of afraid that that's going to be like heavily the direction that they take with the with with Capaldi. Um, yeah. Just because, like, oh, I have to find my planet. Oh, because you're the greatest, best thing ever. Is that again why? It just it, it's it's bumming me out in theory. Hopefully they don't go that direction. <laughs> yeah, they really don't want it to be. Let's hope it doesn't bum um, us out in but practice. But I'm afraid because Moffat seems to be terrified of writing just like a Doctor Who story ever again. Right. Um, he seems to be like allergic to that idea. Like he just uh-huh. everything has to be the most important story ever made. Um, and uh, I don't agree with that assessment. <laughs> Yeah, I just, yeah, I like the kind of, not necessarily Monster of the Week, you can have an arc, but, like, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the kind of, uh, you know, tr- space, he goes just around doing, like, kind of, like, shows like Highway to Heaven, which is a random old reference, or, like, <laughs> I um, heaven. <laughs> or like Kung Fu or something like that, he just kind of walks into town, or it's kind of like any Western character, he just kind of walks in, mm-hmm. sets things right, and then leaves, Yeah, um, which is kind of irresponsible in some ways, but, like, um, I, I kind of like that whole thing where he shows up, he does something good. Um, and then or quantum leap, like tie it actually to sci-fi. Oh yeah. Um, well, I think, I think the Davies era got the, got the balance closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Moffat just, I don't know. Fingers crossed about the new guy. Really? Um, yeah, I know. I, I think the actor will do a great job, but yes. we'll see. We'll see how he's written. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm of the belief that Matt Smith could have been the best Doctor we've ever had if he had had a better writer. Because um, I think that he was, I think he was stellar as a performer. It's just mm-hmm. that his era was just so bogged down by all of this like prophecy and just yeah. self-important garbage. Um, and I think it's it's telling too because he was he's been doing the convention circuits a little bit these last few months or whatever, and. Uh, most of the stuff when he remembers fondly about the show, it's always that first season. Maybe it's just like, hey, that was my first season. But I, I, I agree that was easily the best written season oh, yeah. of the show, I think, ever. But um, certainly of the new series and certainly of him. Um, so he, he was kind of like, those were everything that he liked about the show. And then series six really did kind of just make it more about these weird, like it was more standalone and yet weirdly more incredibly arc heavy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um and then you get to series seven when there's just so much in flux, you're, you're losing some companions, getting new companions. You got to set up the 50th and stuff like that. So it was, it was a messy season. Um, there's some good stuff in there, but yeah, it's, 
I I think he is a, Smith was always the best thing about all of those episodes, even if they were kind of lesser, you know, lesser written or lesser produced stories. But I always felt like he was, uh, he kept me watching because he was so good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of don't get that tying it back to Dragonfire. I kind of don't get that with McCoy. Like if he's got good writing, he's good. If he doesn't have good writing, he's a huge ham. And sometimes if he has good writing, he's a huge ham, but you kind of overlook it because the story's good. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Well, uh, have any other closing thoughts on Dragonfire? Um, I think think overall the storyline, I kind of dig. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that um, it's a cool idea. You go to a planet that you've never seen before. Um, it's all weird and icy. I like that when we eventually find the back, you know, through the hologram, the backstory of Kane. I think that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. about, I mean, it's kind of Mr. Freezy. Like he, he now can't exist anywhere except the icy cold. And so obviously he would go to the planet Svartos because it's mostly frozen and stuff. And then he kind of sets himself as the leader. Um, it's I think just it's like kind of Mr. Freeze, yeah. except his Nora is a statue of himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, he's a narcissist. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, so as far as that goes, I think it, it works. Um, as far as the direction goes, I actually kind of like most of it. Chris Clough is an in, you know he directed a lot. He's mm-hmm. not the best, but I like uh, I like the sets they built, and I like a lot of the stuff that he does. But um, it's 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 very forgettable, and if you're paying attention to it, it's kind of dumb. Um. You know, unlike unlike when the last time I was on, we talked about Inferno, which is seven episodes and it barely drags. This is three episodes, and I'm like, is it over yet? Yeah, <laughs> just because you know. And then you get, of course, Ace saying all those crazy things. Uh, the one that always stands out to me is when she like uses the the Nitro Nine as a like she's holding it. She's like, I'll do it or whatever, and she says uh, something like. Let's see how you feel about a can of deodorant that registers nine on the Richter scale. Oh, yeah. I hate that line. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's, I was like, I don't think they measure explosions by Richter scale. We're in the future and in another planet. So <laughs> what uh, is a can of deodorant? <laughs> I lo- Yeah, I love that, too, because it's like that's obviously not deodorant. That's obviously spray painted cans of whipped cream. Like, right, right, right. right. <laughs> obviously whipped cream. It's like if you're gonna say deodorant, at least like use a deodorant bottle. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, has sticky deodorant. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, I yeah I, I I you know what I you know what else I like about the story too is the uh, the set designs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, especially the Nosferatu. Like I I'm always impressed with uh, the classic series when they. Um, when they have like a very lived in space, because that's one thing that, that the classic series is not the best on because that's an easy way to save money is to not have clutter. Um, right. But I mean, they really went all out with the Nosferatu. Like it's so cluttered and lived in, um, Mm -hmm. that I, I really, really love that. Um, you know, everything else, you know, the ice, the, the the ice ship is the ice ship. Like it's, you know, it's made of ice. It's got, it's got you know dry ice, the smog on the bottom. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. what you'd expect. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then it's I like a- I love the diner and I love the way that looks. Oh yeah, and then mm-hmm. the random little girl that's walking around through this whole story. They have those random little girls through a lot of these Seventh Doctor stories. Yeah. 
and just to be like, look, a kid. <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole thing. It would have been awesome if that was like some sort of masterminded arc where like all these kids are responsible for something. And they all show up in the last episode. Yeah. And just like, <laughs> but they never us? filmed it. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> that would have actually been really funny. Uh, but, but uh, all right. Well, that's Dragonfire. Yeah. Um, next week, I'm going to be talking about uh, Colin Baker and the Mark of the Ronnie. So that should be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you have thoughts you want to share on uh, Dragonfire or the Seventh Doctor, find the post of this episode on the Mind Robber, or I'm sorry, on the Doctor's Companion US, and leave a comment. Uh, send us an email, TDC uh, Podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, send in questions for our 200th episode, which is coming up very soon. Um, check out uh, the Mind Robbers on MindRobber.net. That's the flagship podcast of that show where myself and my co-host Matt, we talk about things we've been uh, watching or reading or the entertainment we've generally been consuming and we, we, we talk about it and uh, tear it apart from a writer's perspective. Um, and then there's the Mind Robbers Versus where uh, we take a show we love. We talk about it episode by episode. We've done... Um, all of the DC animated universe. We've done Veronica Mars, and we're starting up um, the Joss Whedon shows with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Actually, I believe that's going to go up in a couple of weeks. Um, mm, nice. So that's starting up soon. That's exciting. If you're on Twitter, follow at TDC Podcast so you'll know the second a new episode hits, or follow our personal accounts. I'm at Scott Corelli, and Kyle, you are at, at Functional Nerd. That is correct. Um, if you like the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. And of course, most importantly, be our street team and tell everyone, uh, that, you know, that likes Dr. Who, that they should be listening because we're cool. Um, and we would like that. Uh, Kyle, uh, you have any plugs plug away? Yeah. Uh, I do a couple podcasts. I do, uh, Dr. Who, the writer's room, which is a monthly podcast wherein, uh, myself and my, uh, my co-host Eric take one writer from the classic series, do all of their different, um, stories and and just kind of talk about their progression as a writer um this month we're going to be doing a weird thing uh it comes out of the 15th of every month this week we're going to just be focusing on the first serial and unearthly child because that's kind of it's very atypical um and it's it was kind of written by committee so we're going to be that's what we're going to be looking at but we've done you know uh we're working our way through robert holmes every because he wrote a ton so it takes a while Mm -hmm. um uh, so there's that one. I do a, a movie podcast, which is called WTF. Are you watching where, um, every week my co-host Lincoln and I take a weird or bad or ridiculous movie and talk about it. Um, it's usually a lot of fun. Um, and then if you're into horror, uh, I do a monthly horror podcast called the classic horror cast, um, with, uh, Eric again and Sean from the TARDIS tavern. And we just pick a movie, uh, and do that. And so the one for this week is, um, or this month is Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. So those are all the podcasts I do. Nice. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, and then also check out Nerdist.com for all of your uh, articles. Right. Your daily articles. It seems that way, yes. My daily articles, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, and they're usually very good. Probably the best oh, on the you. site. Um, wow. So, uh, so that's it, uh, guys. And we'll talk to you next week with, uh, with uh, the Mark of the Ronnie, um, which I'll be doing with Cassandra. So, uh, Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.